From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, Russian President Vladimir Putin says negotiations with Ukraine have reached an impasse. That as Russian troops pour into eastern Ukraine. You heard the chairman talk about this at testimony last week, that it was his assessment, and we believe he's right, uh, that this, this, could, this could augur in for a, a more protracted uh, and a very bloody uh, next, next, uh, next phase here uh, of this conflict. That was Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. What's next in the U.S.'s effort to aid Ukraine? We'll talk with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. We'll also talk with him about that, the battle that is raging here at home for the minds of our children. Congressman Waltz has stepped into the epic fight for the hearts and minds of children. He joins me to explain. Also, remember this from last year? We also know that as our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and are expected to be temporary. That was President Biden in July of last year telling Americans the price increases that they were experiencing were temporary. The reality is that in the month of March, prices rose even higher than the elevated predictions of The Economist. The consumer price index hitting a 40-year high at 8.5% which means consumers are paying 8.5% more for necessities like gasoline, health care, groceries, and housing than they did a year ago. Whose policies are to blame, Vladimir Putin or Joe Biden? And what does this mean to the average American family? We're going to talk about that with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Yesterday, Dr. Jennifer Bowens was here discussing the false claims by the Biden administration about how puberty-blocking drugs and irreversible sex change surgeries were, quote, best practices and life-saving. Well, today, I want to look at what state legislatures are doing, which tells a clear story between the two political parties. Joseph Backholm, senior fellow for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council, joins me for that conversation. Also, speaking of transgender policies, Becky Gerritsen of Alabama's Eagle Forum joins me with an update on a lawsuit that has been filed by the Southern Impoverished Law Center against Alabama's Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. And a new poll released by the Trafalgar Group reveals that nearly 70% of American voters say they are now less likely to do business with Disney after revelations like this. You can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. That was Disney production coordinator Alan March on an internal company Zoom meeting last month talking about how Disney is going to increase their sexual content, and their effort to groom children. Those are my words. Well, we're going to talk about that with Mary Margaret Olihan with The Daily Wire later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. 
Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 26. It's verse 17 through 19. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes, His commandments and His judgments, and that you will obey His voice. Also, today the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people, just as He promised you, that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. Not all nations are the same. Those who proclaim allegiance to the Lord and walk in his ways, he says he will make them exceptional. Well, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 33. I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotional based on the daily reading. You can find it either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. As I mentioned earlier today, Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly said talks with Ukraine returned to an impasse and that Moscow's military operation in Ukraine would undoubtedly achieve what he said were its, quote, noble objectives. He claimed we are helping and saving people. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Zelensky, in an address to his nation, said his forces still are not getting all that they need from supporting allies to end the war sooner, as Kiev braces for an eastward campaign from Russia. Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee and a decorated Special Forces officer. He serves as the representative for the 6th Congressional District of the Sunshine State. Congressman Waltz, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. What is your latest assessment on the situation in Ukraine based on what we're hearing today? Well, we're seeing a bit of an, uh, you know, what we call in the military an operational pause uh, as the Russians lick their wounds, they refit their forces, reorganize them, uh, put them under a new commander uh, who was pretty well known as the butcher of Syria, uh, uh, and focus, strategically focus on eastern Ukraine, which, by the way, is the most energy-rich, is the most industrialized, uh, and the portion that Putin has always wanted. On top of that, uh, he wants to take as much of the Black Sea coastal area. We're seeing that with Mariupol. Uh, We may or may not see a drive on Odessa. I think this is a, a golden opportunity uh, uh, Tony, we should be giving Zelensky the more advanced weaponry, the more offensive weaponry that he has long been asking for since last year, since before the invasion. He could be hitting those Russian formations right now while they're most vulnerable, while they're trying to reorganize. Uh, if we would only give them everything they're asking for, that's long range artillery. That's more of the Turkish drones they've used uh, so effectively. Uh, it's additional radars. And it's the intelligence and targeting packages that only the United States can provide to hand those to the Ukrainians so that they can target Russian forces. We've got to help Zelensky win. Yet Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, just said on the Sunday talk shows that we're trying to help him get to the negotiating table. We shouldn't be playing for a tie in Ukraine, Tony. We should be helping the good guys win and giving them everything they need to do so. So what is the holdup on this uh, critical weaponry that they're asking for? 
Well, it's been the holdup all along. Uh, even when I was out there last year, uh, what the Ukrainians were hearing from the White House was that stingers were too provocative. They were too escalatory. Anti-ship missiles to help defend their ports were too provocative. Uh, and so this kind of fear of Putin and the fear of what he might do is still driving our policy. Uh, and when, when, you, when you take that approach for a dictator, they're going to push until they meet, meet steel. And I think that is giving him room to escalate. Uh, my fear is that you're going to see chemical weapons next uh, as Putin drives up that escalation ladder. And then separately, Tony, look, let's get serious about the sanctions. Uh, the, the Biden administration's patting themselves on the back for tough sanctions. Yet even the newest ones uh, Biden just announced have loopholes for Putin's energy sector. They are still bringing in billions of dollars a week from European countries who are all you know, proclaiming their support for Ukraine. They need to take the tough measures and cut off uh, uh, his revenue. And by the way, China is still doing business. Countries like South, America, uh, South Africa and Brazil, not to mention India. We need to get serious and have some tough conversations with them too, including putting on the table secondary sanctions on their banks and companies that are doing business with Russia. Uh, earlier today, after his meeting with the president of Belarus, uh, Vladimir Putin said, quote, the sanctions blitzkrieg against Russia have failed. Now, granted, I know he's putting a spin on it, but is there some truth that uh, these sanctions have not been as successful as this administration would have us to believe? Well, the ruble has recovered. Uh, the Russian currency is recovering. Their stock market is recovering. Uh, Chinese banks are stepping in to do uh, the business that European banks were, were doing in terms of brokering uh, Russian oil and gas. Uh, and look, I think Chinese uh, private equity uh, and state-owned enterprises seeing a buying opportunity. They are stepping in and taking equity in Russian mines in Russian mineral, uh, rare earth mineral, and other types of processing facilities, and, of course, their oil and gas sector. So uh, uh, China is filling the void that some European and American companies have stepped out of. But as long as there's loopholes for oil, the oil and gas sector, Russia, uh, Putin will continue to be able to fuel his war machine. Final question on this topic, uh, Congressman Waltz. If America were to step forward in a strong way, as you're suggesting, to give the material material that uh, they are requesting in Ukraine, could this possibly take Russia out of the equation if they're defeated by Ukraine as a formidable foe going forward to the United States? I think this could largely neuter uh, Russia's conventional national security apparatus. Remember, they still have a capable nuclear uh, 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 security force, but it could definitely set them back for many years. My problem, Tony, is if, if we help Zelensky play for a tie, Putin gobbles up additional portions of eastern Ukraine and it settles back into trench warfare like it did in 2014. He'll lick his wounds for the next five or six years and then he'll be at it again. Right. Just a uh, matter of time. I got to help him play for a win. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, this administration is playing not to lose rather than That's trying right. uh, to win. I, I want to turn our attention now to, uh, to really the battle that's waging here at home over the hearts and minds of children. You've stepped into that battle with a new book, a, a book designed for children ages 6 through 10. It's the uh, Dawn of the Brave. Tell us about it. 
Well, Tony, I'm really excited about it. This is one of a series of books. It's a subscription, actually, by Brave Books. You cannot find them on Amazon. We're deliberately not putting it on Amazon. You can only find them on bravebooks.com. Each book that will arrive to your children every month will have a traditional conservative theme, family, faith, the Constitution. Uh, In the case of my book, it's about serving your country uh, and coming together as a team to serve a cause higher than yourself, which has been you know, my life as a Green Beret and, and now in Congress uh, about service. But at the end of the day, with what we've seen uh, with COVID that exposed the garbage that's being taught in our schools, what we're seeing in our universities, what we've seen in Virginia uh, in the election of Youngkin, and now we're seeing with Disney, uh, this is a fight for the hearts and minds of, of our children. Uh, my, my point is we're pushing back. I think parents have had a real wake up call, but what do we fill that void with? Uh, and, and brave books in this subscription are good, wholesome content. Uh, and, and for every subscription that someone may order off of bravebooks.com, $15 is going to Samaritan's Purse to support Ukrainian refugees. So I, I, it's just really a blessing and my honor, uh, to, to engage this way. I'm a dad, I've got an 18 year old and a three month old. Uh, and, and I want them learning the types of values that are in uh, these books, not the activist agenda that we're seeing in our libraries, in our schools, community centers, and across this nation. I, I think the best way to go after the darkness is shine light. And uh, that's exactly what you're doing here. Uh, Dawn of the Brave, to find out more, bravebooks.com. Mike Waltz, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Okay, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Folks, check it out. You can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and follow the links over or go to BraveBooks.com. All right, coming up next, inflation, 8.5%. Who's responsible? We'll talk about it next with Kevin Brady. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God. And he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, 
including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Earlier today, the Labor Department said the consumer price index rose 8.5% in March from a year ago, the fastest pace since December of 1981 when inflation hit 8.9%. And that means inflation now has notched a new 40-year high for five straight months. It also marks the 10th straight month in which inflation exceeded 5%. Now, Earlier today, President Biden once again blamed Vladimir Putin. Everything's going up. We saw today's inflation down. 70% of the increase in prices in March came from Putin's price hike in gasoline. Well, here to discuss this price hike is Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman Brady, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to see you. Thanks for having me. So uh, Putin is kind of like global warming. Uh, He gets blamed (laughs) for everything now. Yeah, I thought the president might uh, try try to take it out on the Easter bunny this week, but I guess Putin was the choice. So look, Uh, Today's uh, report was expected to be bad. It was worse than that. So inflation is rising three times faster than your paycheck. So every family is taking, in effect, every month another pay cut. Put in perspective, the average family in America now, uh, since Joe Biden became president, is paying an extra $5,700 more to buy the exact same things than they were before. That's a huge hit for families. And I think it explains why New survey this week shows Americans are so pessimistic, they feel as bad about their finances now as they did during the height of the COVID pandemic, which is, uh, which is pretty stunning. And as we know, this inflation began a full year ago. It's been a raging since that. And, and don't take my word for it, the Federal Reserve really points to President Biden's $2 trillion uh, COVID stimulus as one of the first big drivers of inflation. The other bad news today, we got a sort of a double whammy. The report from the National Federation of Independent Businesses, our, our small businesses in America, who are really the canary in the coal mine. They tell us so much about the economy. So small business optimism is at the lowest ever recorded. And it's for the same reason families feel that way. Inflation is so high for small businesses. They're having to pass it on to their consumers or eat it. 
and they can't find workers either. So, you know, from an economic standpoint, I know the president was sort of trying to take a victory lap, but it was a, it was a pretty bad day all around. And then we see the Federal Reserve responding to this, saying uh, they're going to continue uh, the, uh, the the interest rate hikes that they're proposing. What is the the balance that the the Federal Reserve has to uh, to keep here when it comes to raising interest rates? Well, economically, they they are in a bad position because they were like the White House in denial for so long about inflation. They didn't take the steps last year they needed to take. So right now, as you know, the only way to defeat inflation is for borrowing costs to be higher than inflation. So think about eight and a half percent inflation right now and accelerating. It's growing each month. So for borrowing costs to be higher than that, that is a very harsh punishment on the economy. So, you know, my my guess is the the Fed will fall, fall short of getting inflation under uh, under control. I worry that means we could see this for years and years to come. And I think that's the, the big balancing act for the Fed. So the, the Biden administration not seeing the connection or correlation between the trillion dollar infusion of government money into the economy. And they're still talking about in his budget proposal, his, uh, you know, build government bigger plan, which is another infusion of money. It is, and I, it is the, the most puzzling thing that after all this bad news driven by the president's policies, he's pursuing more of that, both on the spending side, uh, the socialist program side, the tax hike side, which would land on our Main Street businesses as well and contribute to higher inflation. He's just, I, I, I've concluded he just doesn't understand the American economy, the modern American economy. He's stuck in some other uh, time doesn't quite realize the impact of this. And again, at the end of the day, job growth is slowing. Inflation is accelerating. And I don't understand why the president, who was in denial about inflation, then denied the worker shortage, both of which were alarmingly true. He should admit that we're in the middle of a wage price price spiral that's very devastating, getting worse each month, until he admits the problems the economy is facing, I don't think we'll see any progress. So it's clear that government policy affects the economy. They can't uh, cre- they can't necessarily create yeah. jobs and grow the economy, but they can surely kill the economy. I mean, we saw that there is growth with the economy when you have less government, less regulation, lower taxes. We saw that uh, under the previous administration, the Trump administration, when we cut taxes, we saw job growth. This tells me for the for the average family, there's two things. One, uh, it matters who you put in office and the policies yes. that they bring to office. But what what's the average family to do now that we're in the middle of this uh, economic situation that is hammering them each and every month? Yeah, and, and it is just as to your point, when we gave Americans more economic freedom and they kept more of what they earned, we saw not just growth, but we saw some of the the highest wage growth in history, especially among uh, people of color, those without a lot of job skills, those who are disabled. The reverse is true under this president. Those are the same people getting hammered the most by this inflation. And they're trying to substitute, uh, you know, less expensive food and clothing and all that. But fuel alone will add $2,000 this year to their uh, costs. That alone is crushing. And so, you know, for them, 
they are disheartened. That's why they are feeling so discouraged at this point. You know, they need to be talking to this president to tell them to stop doing what is causing this inflation. So far, he just seems heck bent on going forward right. with the same policies. And, you know, the I, I do acknowledge that the situation in Ukraine has raised yeah. uh, energy prices, but we could have... We could have buffered the impact of that by our domestic production had we pursued the right policies there. So again, another policy choice that has real-life consequences. Kevin Brady, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to see you, Tony. Thank you. All right, folks, coming up next, you know, most Americans support passing laws that seek to protect minors from harm. However, the question of exactly how we should go about protecting minors and what we should be protecting them from really is an ideological divide between the states. We're going to look at this next after the break with Joseph Backholm. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come after the break. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. According to a report by CNBC, outlets owned by Disney, Comcast, Warner Media, and Paramount are planning to air a new PSA from the LGBT lobbying group GLAD that features the mother of a transgender teen who accuses lawmakers in Florida of trying to tear my family apart. No doubt, with all the attention that states like Florida and Texas have been receiving, 
The public service announcement is a response to laws that are in reality trying to protect children from the left's indoctrination. But what is really threatening families? Are not laws like, it's not laws like these, but efforts to push transgenderism on children from an early age as possible. We see the left pushing for earlier and earlier childhood edu- education. What's that about? Well, the left is trying to keep children from getting the help they really need in some cases, going as far as banning counseling. Here with me to talk about this is Joseph Backholm, Senior Fellow for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council and my Friday host, Joseph. Glad to have you with me. Good to see you today, Tony. Let's, uh, let's talk about this because there's a really an ideological divide between the states where you have some states, red states in particular, that have been pushing what I call kind of bottom shelf issues, which is the women's sports, protecting women's sports, uh, all the way up to the uh, what we call the safe acts, yeah. which are uh, prohibiting uh, surgical um, measures on, te- on, on minors. Uh, but then you have blue states that are refusing to allow parents even to get counseling for their kids. Yeah. You know, I think this is a, a, analogous to what we just went through with COVID and masks. Depending on where you lived in America, you lived in a very different world based on the belief that masks were either helpful because they protected you from a deadly virus or harmful because they interfered with your your learning abilities and, and social interactions, and they were mentally harmful. And so in the same way, this there really is a divide about whether what is good for kids, what is good for people. Is it good that they allow their anatomy and biology and the way God created us to inform our identity? Or is it good that our feelings determine what our identity? And so those differences, I really do think, are creating two different worlds and we're starting to see the legislation that creates that. The, the legislation is symptomatic of two different worlds. Right. What, what's underneath that? Yeah, well, underneath that is the assumption in, you know, and we'll generically refer to them as red states, that still have this idea that our anatomy matters, our biology matters, that we don't determine reality for ourselves. Therefore, it is good for you if you acknowledge that in the choices that we make in the sports, how, how we how we um, construct our sports leagues, and then also in, in terms of counseling, that it's not bad if a counselor helps you come and de- come to peace with your anatomy. And then there so, are other people who say that's harmful. A, an understanding of the fact that there is a creator who creates right. us is really at the foundational level of this debate. So we, yes. we're almost looking at two Americas. We are, because we're looking at two different worldviews. It's really an epistemology. Where does truth come from? Does truth come from our creator, or does truth come from our feelings? And those are... So the red states would have this understanding of there is a transcendent truth that is outside of ourselves, where we see the blue states more of where morality and is more personal preference. Correct. And I'm not even sure in all the red states they would see it that way. No, they it's wouldn't see it that like way, but, just gut level but it's like almost residual in many ways. It totally is. Yeah, yeah that, 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 I think that is exactly what this divide is, is you have two different set of assumptions about the world, about our existence and about reality. So how, how do we fortify and how do we grow that understanding that, uh, you know, yeah. look, you, you've, got, you've got to come to this recognition that children need to be protected from this 
I would just have to say yeah. godless indoctrination coming from the left. Right. And that is the church's job. And it is, I think you're right that in some ways it becomes a distraction when we talk about women's sports from the more fundamental issue, which is what's the nature of our existence? Do we define truth right. for ourselves or is it defined for us? The sports debate is a, is a symptom. Right. It, it's not – this issue ultimately is not about fairness. Right. It is about what is true. It implicates fairness. Right. but. When you create it, when you construct a reality in which our feelings determine reality for everyone else and my feelings determine reality for me and for you, and you're supposed to make decisions that are consistent with my feelings, that world can't stand up. And, and women's sports is just the beginning of the ways in which that falls apart. So how do, we, how do parents navigate this world? Yeah, parents have to begin to lay this foundation. Uh, one of the first things that every parent needs to t- tell their child is that your feelings do not determine truth yeah. and that your feelings are not the guide to happiness. That's a counterculture mes- and message. It, and it completely is because every Disney princess is going to tell you to follow your feelings. And every character, most characters you see on TikTok and YouTube are going to say, follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. And if kids swallow that they will they may end up mutilating themselves in the pursuit of happiness but other things as well will follow even if they don't do that and that's what secularism breeds is this idea that my feelings are the guide to truth so parents have to get in front of that and remind people remind their children that our feelings are not the guide to happiness and we need lawmakers who will stand firm for these truths even in the face of the unrelenting left and uh, grateful for leaders in Florida and Texas and others who have done just that. That's exactly right. Joseph, I have a feeling you'll probably talk about this on Friday. Well, there's a good chance. All right. Good to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the not-so-wonderful world of Disney uh, as they are seeking to... um, really indoctrinate and even groom our children. But Americans say enough. Almost 70% of Americans say they'll change their buying habits when it comes to Disney. That's next. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media. 
even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to, uh, to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Um, I've got a – let me find it here. I misplaced it. I have a poll question for you today that I would like to uh, use. Let me, uh, let me pull it up here. Here we go. This kind of goes along with a uh, new survey that was released this week that – quite frankly, doesn't bode well for the Disney company. After recently recently, uh, leaked footage from internal meetings, it shows how Disney Disney is focusing on the creation of content to expose children to sexuality and queerness. Now, the Trafalgar Group asked if the latest revelations made people more or less likely to want to do business with Disney. Not surprisingly, a majority... Almost 70%, 68.2% said they were less likely. Uh, and I, I want to get your sense on this. Uh, if you would like to take the poll and let us know what you're thinking, what is your response to Disney aggressively opposing parental rights and pledging to promote transgenderism in their programs and their amusement parks? Text the word poll, P O L L to 67742. That's the word poll to 67742. And uh, let us know if this is having an impact on how you view Disney. Uh, We're going to, do we have our next guest? Okay. Uh, And we're actually going to be joined here in just a moment uh, by Mary Margaret Olihan, who is a reporter at the Daily Wire, who's been writing about this and has heard from many parents on how they are responding to Disney. Mary Margaret, welcome to Washington Watch. Can you tell us what you've been hearing from parents across the nation? With how Disney has chosen to handle this um, episode of, of, of Florida trying to take 
parents' rights into their own hands and trying to give parents the empowerment to take care of their own children's education and to decide what is best for their kids. Um, I spoke with a lot of different parents who told me that they're no longer going to be going to Disney. In fact, they're going to take their business elsewhere. And these parents are incredibly upset. They're not only taking their canceling their Disney trips and their vacations, they're also canceling their Disney Plus subscriptions, is which, what they told me. Some of these people told me they've been going to Disney there for their entire lives. And uh, one man told me he worked there when he was in college to pay for college. He would take his fiance there. They had all kinds of subscriptions and fast passes and whatnot. And then they ultimately decided not to pay for anything anymore due to how Disney handled coronavirus restrictions and then how Disney handled Florida's parental rights and education bill. So does the uh, results from the Trafalgar Group's uh, poll showing that 68.2 percent of voters say that they are less likely to do business with Disney, does that surprise you at all? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, this is about children, and there are many political issues that Americans will disagree over um, on both sides of the aisle, be it, uh, you know, the border wall or um, abortion. But when it comes to your children, parents are a lot more unified, I think, in knowing that, no, you want to be able to control what your children are being taught. And the idea that Disney has some kind of agenda that they would like to teach your children something, whether or not you know, that doesn't sit well with American parents. Well, it doesn't seem that Disney is getting that message, but because according to a report from CNBC, Disney is planning to air a new PSA that has been produced by GLAAD, one of the the big uh, promoters of LGBT agenda, that features the mother of a transgender teen who accuses lawmakers of trying to, quote, tear my family apart, end quote. I mean, is Disney tone deaf? What's happening? I mean, that that sounds pretty tone deaf to me. This is not a message that has already resonated with Americans, as we were just talking about. Americans aren't happy with this type of language. They're they're canceling their subscriptions and their trips, um, and they're becoming increasingly frustrated with this type of terminology. I mean, if you look at what happened in Virginia, we were in sort of the same situation during the gubernatorial election, where a lot of people thought that Terry McAuliffe would kind of skate into the dem- into the governor's seat as a Democrat, and then. Amidst all this talk about education, he had to go and say that parents didn't have the right to decide what their children should be taught. Well, that pretty much won the election for Governor Youngkin. And so we're seeing this translated across the country as parents kind of speak up, finally, just this parental rebellion against woke ideology in this way. So I would be concerned if I were Disney and they continued on in this fashion because we have already seen it demonstrated that parents don't sit well. This doesn't sit well with parents. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Of course, Disney being just the latest example of woke corporate America. But with when you have a company that's focused on entertaining children, it makes it all the more uh, poignant when you're talking about uh, people's children. Mary Margaret, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Great to talk with you. Appreciate uh, the, the coverage you're giving this issue. Oh, thank you. This was wonderful. And folks, again, I want to encourage you to take our poll and uh, let us know what, uh, what you think. I'd be interested to know what you think about Disney. Is this going to affect the way you interact with them? Are you going to go to Disney this summer? Are you going to cancel that trip? Are you going to cancel the subscription to Disney? 
Text the word poll to 67742 and I'll send you the survey. That's poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742. And if you do it quickly, I'll give you the results before the end of the program. I think this is great, quite frankly. Honestly, I think it's finally time that we're able to pull back the curtain on Disney, who's been about this for a long time. All right. I mean, this is this is not new. It's gotten I actually think what's happened. They've gotten more emboldened. They have accelerated the indoctrination in the advancement of this leftist ideology because they didn't get resistance. I'm hoping and I'm praying that uh, parents would not only take on Disney, not only take on women's sports. Those are they're, they're okay. They're important cultural things, but they really don't get to the heart of the matter. I'm hoping and praying that parents will take over the education of their children and take back public education while they're at it and stop this godless, and I'm going to say it, and I'm saying it intentionally, this godless, demonic indoctrination of our children. All right, I know that's going to cause the the heads on the left to spin, but let them spin because that's exactly what it is. If it's not about God and what he has called us to do as Christian parents, there's, there's no middle ground in this. All right. Yesterday, a group of, uh, speaking of leftist, a group of leftist organizations, in, including the Southern Poverty or the Southern Impoverished Law Center and the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBT advocacy group, announced a legal challenge to the Alabama Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, SB 184, which was signed into law just last Friday by Governor Kay Ivey. The legislation prohibits doctors from delaying puberty or altering the appearance of gender for minors through radical, irreversible drugs and surgeries. It also ensures that school officials do not withhold from parents information pertaining to their children's perception of their gender if it is inconsistent with their biological sex. Now, according to the SPLC and company, the law's law's prohibitions, quote, lack a rational foundational, uh, rational foundation, rather, and serve no legitimate purpose, end quote. Here to respond to that and to highlight the importance of the law is Becky Gerritsen. She is the executive director of Alabama Eagle Forum, whose grassroots organization has been very active in advocating for this law. Becky, Becky, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And this was a three-year battle that finally is over. And we are so thankful that the governor signed this bill. I was uh, frankly quite impressed, uh, not only that she signed the law, but what she had to say when she signed it last Friday, clearly stating, I think, what is the, uh, the consensus, certainly of the legislature. And I would think most of those in the state of Alabama. But you have the Southern Impoverished Law Center, which is actually headquartered there in Alabama, filing suit. What do you think about this? Well, their headquarters is just a couple of blocks away from the state house, and they are there with their lobbyists every day. They are fighting against these pro-family bills. And it just blows my mind that any organization would advocate for medical child abuse, you know, experimentation, exploitation. The drugs that they give these children to change their sexual appearance are actually the same drugs that they use to chemically castrate 
pedophiles in jail. This is very serious. And I just, I can't imagine why any organization would advocate for that. Well, and the use of these drugs, despite claims by the advocates of these types of uh, procedures, these drugs, these are off-label use of drugs. These drugs were not intended for these purposes. Now, in this lawsuit uh, filed by these leftist organizations, including the Southern Poverty Law Center, they claim that these radical, irreversible drugs and surgeries are, quote, safe, effective, and medically necessary for transgender minors. How do they write that with a straight face? The studies show that if you allow a gender dysphoric child to go through natural puberty, up to 98% of them, this is according to a 2019 study, they will come to accept their biological sex by the time they are young adults. And we are seeing a big trend of um, detransitioners happening now in their early to mid-20s that started this process around 17, 18 years old. They are now reversing it. Um, their frontal lobe wasn't fully developed enough to make that very important decision. And so this law is going to protect those children. Wait until they're older to make this decision. What else uh, are these leftist organizations claiming in their lawsuit that needs to be corrected? Well, you know, I haven't actually read the lawsuit, but one of the other important aspects of this bill, not only does it stop puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and sex reassignment surgeries. But there's also a provision in there because in Alabama, we are seeing a lot of counseling happening in the schools, and the parents have no idea that their children are dealing with any kind of gender dysphoria uh, problems. And so they will go to school and change their clothes into the opposite sex clothes, take on a new name, new pronoun. Everyone at school knows this is happening, but the parents have no idea. So in this bill, if a parent asks to, to know, is my child dealing with this? They have to tell the parent yes or no, um, because there's too much secrecy going on. We are seeing noise machines being put outside of counseling offices so that parents or teachers that walk by, they can't hear what's going on in there. Uh, we are seeing flyers that are put out on little tables outside the counseling office, giving directions on where to go if you are gender dysphoric and you want um, to start seeking treatments. And parents really need to know what's going on in their schools. And so this is a great thing that is in the bill as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I find it hard that we're even having this debate about whether or not parents should know what's happening with their children. I mean, but again, this goes to an underlying mindset that children, you know, belong collectively to a village or to the state and that uh, educational, quote unquote, experts know better than parents. I mean, this is this is absurd. It's insulting to parents. And again, as I said earlier, I am so grateful that parents are saying enough is enough. What are what are you hearing in Alabama in response to the passage of this law? Well, I speak across the state on this issue a lot as we were trying to to get this bill passed over the last three years. And people had no idea that this was even happening in Alabama. Um, our gender clinic at, in Birmingham is seeing patients as young as three years old. Now they're not getting the drugs that young, but they are getting affirmation therapy. So a little child of three years old is actually being affirmed into the misconception that they have that they're being born in the wrong body, which is just grooming for drugs so that when puberty comes along, they're able to block puberty 
And then the studies show 100% of those people that are on those puberty blockers go right on to cross-sex hormones. And then next is surgery. And so parents are so happy that this has passed. I mean, as young as three years old, if we're going to let kids, I think anywhere under the age of 18, to make decisions that in many cases um, are irreversible as it pertains to their sexuality or their body parts, I mean, are we going to start letting them drive at three years old? Are we going to let them buy guns at five? Are we going to let them start drinking at seven? I mean, we, we realize that the, the, the children are not mentally, emotionally uh, mature enough to make some of these decisions. But yet, because we've carved this out as, you know, special, because it's, it's special to the leftist, uh, we, we, we allow that to happen. It's insane. Right. It's dangerous. And I think you said it right before the the break, um, before I came on, that this is a silver lining in in COVID that has happened, that people are being able to see what's being taught in schools. Disney is coming out, being emboldened to show their agenda. And I think parents are waking up and we just have to get back to our biblical values of raising our children. They are ours. They are no one else's. And we have the responsibility to raise our children. Becky, thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk with you today. Thank you for the work you're doing there in the state of Alabama. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. And folks, the poll results, 98% of you say it will cause you to direct your entertainment spending elsewhere. 1% says will not affect my business with Disney. And 1% said not sure. You can still take the poll. Go ahead and text me and I'll send it to you. But... Bottom line, they're your children. Protect your children. Get involved. Do something, whatever the Lord leads you to do. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 